Do you remember the, uh, this was uh, the summer of 2009. Remember the terrible car accident on the Taconic Parkway? Um, it, was, uh, it was a family. It was a, uh, a mother and son and daughter, I believe. And the three, her three nieces were in the car and something happened. Something happened uh, with the mother. Uh, and uh, she was driving on the wrong way uh, on the parkway, collided head on with a, an SUV and uh, she died, her daughter died, and the three nieces, the three sisters in the back seat died. It was horrific. And the people that she crashed into also died. So it was like a nightmare, nightmare tragedy. Um, the three little girls, uh, I mentioned this before, uh, I kind of got connected somewhat to this heartbreaking story. The three girls were from Floral Park, which is where I'm from. And uh, I didn't know this, the Hans family, that's their name, but I knew a lot of people. We had a lot of mutual friends. So I went to the funeral, I'll never forget that. Five coffins in the church, just like surreal. Um, and I guess a couple of weeks later, uh, a friend called me and asked who was a friend of this couple, the mother and the father, who lost their three girls and asked if I would go speak to them. So I did, and uh, I'll just never forget it. I'll never forget walking up, the, walking up the, the walkway to the house, and I was a wreck. I was just like, this is the worst thing I have ever encountered. Uh, it's the most tragic thing I, I will probably ever encounter and as a priest, I hope, I suspect. Um, all three of their, their children, gone. So I met with them, uh, the mother more than the father, but he was very much there, but it was really the mom, uh, the J uh, Jackie, the mom, who kind of wanted to talk, and, uh, and I'll never forget this, she just, she didn't want to live. She didn't want to live, and she was having this very kind of rational conversation with me about just not wanting to live anymore, and, but her fear was, if she acted on that, she might not see her girls again. And uh, so I kind of pounced on that. I took advantage of that question and, that she had. And, you know, I was like, hey, Jack, you know, Jack, you can't, you can't, like, no, that's not an option. I can't, that's not okay. That would, it would never be, like, God would never be okay with that. It could not, you, couldn't, you couldn't justify that ever in any aspect. And, so we talked and I remember leaving and just feeling so useless in all honesty. Just I felt like nothing I was saying kind of made sense or I, I knew it wasn't helping. I could just tell. I could just tell by her reaction and, and I just left very discouraged and maybe about a, two weeks later they, she called and asked to meet up again. So I went back and, uh, you know, round two was different because I now, I didn't really know what I was walking into my first encounter. So now I had some sense of it and that helped. And I just talked to her. Um, this time I very much talked about faith. You know, I was like, Jackie, 
you asked to, you asked to talk to a priest. Like you didn't, you didn't call a, a lawyer or a doctor or an Indian chief. You, you called a priest. So I'm going to tell you what I think and what I, what I believe, what we believe. And kind of ultimately I just said, um, I said, Jackie, one day, like, you're going to start to feel better. And I was frightened at even the thought of saying it, at what, she, what her response might be, would be. Like, I thought she was going to come across the table at me because, like, that was unimaginable that she could ever, ever feel better. And I said, I know you think that's nuts, but that's what we believe. And then I just did a whole thing about Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Like all of life kind of exists in this one weekend. The worst of life is the best of life. And, and Holy Saturday, the, mid, the middle part of it is kind of like life. Not the worst, not the best, like life. Hopefully pretty good. And most of the time we spend on that part, right? Hopefully not so much on Good Friday and hey, once in a while, yeah, we have Easter Sunday glory and greatness and joy. But that's what we believe. Like eventually you get, eventually you get to Easter Sunday. We all get to Easter Sunday. That's what we were taught as children. That's what I was taught formally in a, in a seminary. I think that's what life kind of shows us. Like it does get better. We have these little Easter Sunday moments in the course of life that, res that happen after these Good Friday moments. And, and that was it. Like I, I, we talked, I was there for about an hour and, and I felt better about what I said because I really believe what I said. But I also didn't, you know, I think it was like not helping. <laughs> it became so clear to me like, there's no quick fix. There's no quick fix for grief, for terrible pain. Like we look for them, right? You ever get tempted by these commercials, these diet commercials, which say that like, you can lose weight and you don't really have to work out and we'll give you this diet that it's like not even a diet. It's like, looks great. Like I'm actually gonna lose weight eating this stuff. It's like, no, I'm not. Of course I gotta exercise. Like, but we're kind of like seduced by the quick fix. Let me look better fast. Let me feel better immediately. You know what I think ultimately I was saying to that mom? I was kind of saying what John the Baptist said in this gospel. I'm not suggesting I'm in the company of John the Baptist, but I think what I did was sort of what he did. John was like, look, there he is. He's the one. There's the answer to life's questions. There's hope. Go to him. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the one who rescues us. Like, get to him.
I think that's kind of what I was saying to this mom, this desperately grieving mom and dad. But I kind of knew like, it just wasn't gonna happen fast. I probably knew that even before, but it just became so obvious. Like, you know, she thanked me as I left, but I could tell, I don't think, I think I didn't, she didn't feel, I don't think almost any bit better. Read this article not too, not too long ago, it was talking about, you hear this a lot about, it was about technology, the influence of technology today, especially, uh, you know, cell phone, on, on our culture, kids in particular, but all of us. And all the kind of the, the negative, you know, the fact that we're kind of like addicted, we're addicted to these devices. Again, kids probably more than adults, but we are, adults are too, and learning challenges now, you know, like people's attention span is less than it used to be. The challenge of being up here preaching, is like you always gotta be throwing out images to people because we're just, it's also fast now. As soon as I'm like, I'm, as soon as I'm not being entertained or you know, I, I'm not being pulled into this, I just boom, I hit a button and I and I'm and I go I go somewhere else to be entertained by something else. So it's tough, like teachers say, it's just tougher teaching today than it was yesterday for that reason. And I talked about social, how kids are struggling socially relationally because they've gotten so connected to this device. They're relating to people almost solely by texting them. They don't even hang out with each other. They don't actually really even talk so much. It's just all technology and we know all that. We probably can see evidence of it in our own lives. But there was one more that, well there are a couple more, but this one I grabbed, surprised me. Another negative impact of technology, it was how we grieve, dealing with grief. And I was like, whoa, what was that? I mean, that and I, there was a little paragraph on it. And the point there was, he said, grief is slow. The process of grief is really slow. And we live in a culture now, in a society that doesn't like slow. But the hard reality is, when we are broken, the healing process won't happen fast. As much as we want to pop the pill, the quick fix, it just doesn't exist. Now think about it, like you know, when, you, when the internet is slow, does it drive you crazy? It's like, what? what? Every once in a while, my TV remote, I guess it's the batteries, it gets a little bit slower. Like going from one channel to the next takes a half a second more, longer, and I'm like, I gotta get new batteries for this thing. Like the end of the world, I can't, I can't wait. We don't like slow. Grief is, transcending grief is slow. You know, over at the ice rink in town right now, I'm sure a lot of you know, there's a gathering of probably hundreds of people to come together for um, Garen Hagen, high school senior who was killed the other day, uh, hit, hit by a car. 
and there'll be, there'll be great power in that gathering. Father Leo's over there. Because I think there's just great power in community, especially in a moment like this, immediately. People just want to come together, right? We don't even know what to say, we don't even know what to do, but you're just like, it's just being together, there's power in that. That's immediate. But Father Leo and I were talking, he was like, you know, like, what do you think I should say? And I, and I said, don't say much. Don't say much. Because right now, words really don't really do a stinking thing. <laughs> it's kind of how I felt talking to this grieving mom and dad, like, I'm not saying literally say nothing, but don't, don't get into a lot, because it's just not gonna compute. It's not gonna, it's not gonna help. Because there really aren't many words that are helpful in moments like this. Except maybe, look, there he is. He's the one. He's the key that gets us through this, out of this dark place. What John the Baptist said, like, find a way of just trying to point people to Jesus and let him take over. There's a... Uh, Great spiritual writer, I've mentioned him a couple of times over the years. Uh, he died maybe 10 years ago. His name is Henry Nouwen. I think he's from Belgium. Is he from Belgium, you know, Nouwen? Is he French, maybe? He's European, but a great writer. Um, very honest, very kind of, very transparent, uniquely transparent guy. He would talk about his struggles. He would write about stuff that most people wouldn't even talk to strange, uh, close people about, and he, he would write a, he wrote these books kind of just talking about his life and faith and how Christ really kind of is the answer to life's toughest moments. And he struggled with uh, kind of depression throughout his life, sometimes more pronounced than in others, and he, he wrote about it, actually wrote books about it, grief, wrote a book about the loss of his mother. Listen to what he says here. The great challenge is living your wounds, living your wounds through instead of thinking them through. It's better to cry than to worry. Better, better to feel your wounds deeply than to understand them. Better to let them enter into your silence than to talk about them. The choice you constantly, the choice you face constantly is whether you are taking your hearts, your hurts to your head or to your heart. In your head, you can analyze them, find their causes and consequences, and coin words to speak and write about them. But no final healing is likely to come from that source. You need to let your wounds go down into your heart. Then you can live them through and discover that they will not destroy you because your heart is greater than your wounds. I think the more we, the more steps we take toward Jesus, 
the more we, we realize the truth of that, your heart is greater than your wounds. We are greater than our wounds. Life is greater than death. And God's goodness is greater than loss. That family that lost their three kids, five years later they had another girl. So I was right. What I said to her was right. I wasn't right. All I, I was like him. Listen to him. Follow him. Attach yourself to him. And we survive the storms of life. We get through. <laughs>